Hey guys, welcome back to Headful episode 11. Hello guys. Um, this one, we have a special guest named Johnny Crowley. And yes, you guessed it. It's Emma's brother. <laughs> um, welcome. Um, Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. Yeah, so this one's going to be about um, living, living your life and basically just doing whatever the hell you want to do. Pretty simple, but... Easier said than done. It's complex too. (laughs) Um, So I think a good idea to start off. Oh, no, no, no. Fun fact. That's where we start. Fun fact. Uh, uh, Yesterday, uh, famous pro skater Tony Hawk, at 52 years old, completed a 720 and said it was possibly his last 720 of his career. Wow. Wait, so what does that have to do with living your life? I'll tell you. (laughs) I'm sure Tony Hawk experienced a lot of, you can't be a pro skater. That's not a real thing in his lifetime. And here he is at 52 years old, still grinding. And he's talked about it plenty of times that after injuries that he's had and uh, not being able to come back and do tricks of doctors telling him to stop skating here at 55 years old, he's still out there skating, so... Take that as a lesson for not not giving up on what you want to do, even if it's going out and skateboarding. Yeah. That's amazing. That's very inspiring. Where did that, you said you had this conversation earlier in the day. Where did that come from? <laughs> we were just talking about Tony Hawk and now he's a I great guy. That. I love that. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. This happened <laughs> yesterday, two days ago. So. Oh, did it really? Yeah. All right, so let's dive into living your life like Tony Hawk. Uh, (laughs) Good idea to start off with. Um, Is it safe to say that we live our lives for other people? I think so. To a a certain extent, I mean. I think there's a lot of conversations that probably people have in their daily lives that guide them to take other actions based on their judgments of people that people give them. So really, you know, if someone's telling you that they don't think something's a good idea, it might cause you to second guess what you thought might've been something that you would have enjoyed or, or wanted to go out and do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we tend to place our needs below other people when we should be putting ourselves first, but I think society kind of made us feel like that's a selfish thing to do. And we should be caring for other people before we meet our own needs. Um, Good example of that, which might be a really unpopular opinion is uh, George in It's a Wonderful Life. I I love that movie. I'm not shitting on it in any way, but... (sighs) Good plot, except for the fact that he had to sacrifice like everything that he wanted to do for his family and because there were really unfavorable circumstances that he felt responsible for. And he gave up so much of his life, which I 
I found really sad and I thought it was a good movie, but I could not help. But I, I, that was just sticking out like a sore thumb to me. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? I'm going to be honest. I don't think I've seen that movie in at least 10 years in its entirety. It's a wonderful ending. Yeah. But I, I think, I think at the end of that movie, the, the moral there was that, you know, he's grateful for those, decisions that he made personally right. even though it was living for someone else True. the satisfaction of selflessly living for other people or living for your family or doing something that of you otherwise would have just taken you know for granted that exists in a normal life um you know really that's the message i think that they're getting at there not that you have to live your life just for yourself but it's more so if living for other people and doing things for other people is what brings you satisfaction. Then, um, you know, then you can go ahead and do that. That's why we have people that really enjoy volunteering and wanting to live a bit more selflessly because that's, that's really where they get their satisfaction. Yeah. But I just felt like he was missing something in his life. Like I, I, I'm glad that he was grateful for what he had. Like I, I, that again, I like the plot, but I felt that there was so much more he really wanted to do that he never got to do, which made me sad at the end of the movie. <laughs> no, not sad, mad. I was mad. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's, it, it, like what Johnny was saying, like there, to a certain extent, you do have to, you know, live your life for other people but also at the same time I think the problem is putting enough emphasis on yourself like it shouldn't be one extreme or the other living completely for yourself or completely for other people because you lose both ways but I think finding that balance is where it that's the tough part I feel like yeah I don't think people have a good sense of where to balance that and this idea of selflessness is obviously praised and encouraged. So, and again, there's nothing wrong with being selfless. Like that's not even what I'm trying to say. I think that's a really good thing, but I think again, there's balance and people don't like doing things that are selfish, which inherently maybe aren't, you know, taking care of yourself. You, know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So I look at it. Um, there was this an example. There's this book I read. It's it's a one. It's one for like your hormones and stuff. But oh, I under I underlined this example. Oh, so they were talking about. There's this lady who meditates all the time, and she technically isn't helping anybody or doing any good by meditating twenty four seven. But there's people, there's thousands of people that look up to her and, and they're like inspired by how she's living her life and stuff. Then you compare that to like a political activist who is, you know, doing some good for other people, but is also living a miserable life and misery spreads to other people. So there's people that look up to that person who's also spreading their misery versus this person who's just meditating and is inspiring and helping people by being 
selfish and I'm putting quotes around selfish because that's just another way. Like it's, it's not selfish to do what makes you alive, I guess, if that makes sense. We get. Yeah. I mean, I think part of that is how people want to interact with others. So if you're bringing in a crowd of people that attract themselves maybe to that you know, negative energy or, um, or to the person who's meditating and they find themselves in a very positive light. If that's the people that you're going to attract and, and those that you're going to interact with, I feel like that's also just would allow you to amplify your own happiness or your own uh, idea of, even though it might seem selfish, People want to be near and around you because you find yourself doing things that you enjoy. Um, you know, you're alive. That's kind of why we, yeah, you're alive. And that's why people like to draw themselves to those who they feel are genuine or mm. uh, they really, you know, are themselves that bring out that better aspect in themselves that they want to see. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, um, I totally agree. This whole idea of, of, of selfishness is like, um, just an odd concept. Like, like why, why wouldn't you do something for yourself? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, or, or, or selfishness having a negative connotation almost like that, that, that seems odd to me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why that is. Could just be how we're raised. And I don't know, maybe selflessness is something we're taught. I don't even remember what I was taught. But mm-hmm. I grew up thinking being selfish was a bad thing. And on like the word selfish is a bad thing. Like you can be selfish in a bad way, but like the word selfish shouldn't be have like a you said you know I mean we're raised to share our toys and treat others how we want to be treated and that goes back to the the golden rule that I think everyone's heard at least one point in their elementary school from their elementary school teacher Um, and it's just rooted in an idea of being selfless that if you want someone else to treat you in a way that they're giving to you and they're uh working in a way and interacting with you in a way that's going to benefit you almost. Um, that's where the positive light comes in versus if I was taking more than one turn with my toys and, and being selfish with what I wanted to do and, and spend my time, then, um, you know, it made for a bad toddler, so to speak. Uh, and I wasn't work playing well with other people. And that really, doesn't necessarily apply. I think when you really get into more independence, the so later on you get in your life, that when you're older and you have more time and you're more free to do the things that you want to do, it's really, um, you don't always have to keep that same mentality in everything that you do. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a good transition even into like self selflessness in relationships And I think like, as you get older, we still think, you know, you should be selfless and willing to give, but there's no limit to how much you give. And it's, 
it ends up being really detrimental. So like people who make sacrifice after sacrifice for their relationships, any relationship for that matter, or making excuses for friends or loved ones or romantic partners or whatever, and just saying, well, they were probably just joking or, or they were just angry. So that's, that's why they said what they said. But I don't know. I think we just, we sacrifice so much of ourselves to keep other people happy. And I feel like too often we're not happy ourselves. I don't know. And then we call that love. <laughs> like Going back to that episode on love, like what is love? Well, I don't know. It's not that. <laughs> can't be. <laughs> going back to like, yeah, you can't pour from an empty cup. How How much can you give when you're giving to everyone and not yourself? Yeah. And I think like we've kind of made like asking for things bad. You know, like even even in relationships, like no matter what kind of relationship it is, like asking for validation or asking for time or whatever is like, I don't want to ask for it because that that would inconvenience them. You know what I mean? Like and and I don't want to seem too needy or something. Too needy. Yeah. I, mean, I think that that applies to plenty of areas in life though that even if you're asking for something whether you're asking for um you know more communication from a person you're in a relationship with or you're asking for a raise at work like you're still asking for something out of a relationship that you have with someone else and I think it just comes down to communicating why that need might exist uh and if that's clearly communicated then it should be well understood and make for a better symbiotic relationship between the two um you know opening up those sort of communication channels where it's not necessarily a one-sided thing sarah like you said pouring from an empty cup that you're just trying to throw things at the wall and see if something sticks it's more so uh put something out there and, and see what the response that comes back is yeah and i think that's the problem in a lot of relationships is a lack of communication or just poor communication because of what you said, Emma, people don't want to, they're, they're fearful to communicate what they want or even what they need because it's selfish or it's too needy. Hmm. And I think like every relationship has its own really unique problem, but I think for the most part, it tends to come down to communication. It's usually the root issue. I think going off of that, that route as well, um, a lot of it might also just stem from being afraid of what the reaction is going to be. You know, mm. if you ask someone that you want to spend more time with them, um, you know, if they say, I don't have any more time to give, then you feel like you're left out. Or if you uh, ask for that vacation at work that you really wanted and your boss says you can only take two days, but your family said, can you take the whole week off because we're all traveling as a family, you ask for a raise and they say you're only worth $50,000 instead of the 60,000 you asked for. Um, you know, I think being, being open to the idea of whatever comes back is the reality and moving on from there allows people to have more open conversations rather than just saying 
saying what they want and being fearful of what's going to come back at them because that stops them from doing anything in the first place is fear yeah yeah Yeah, it's like if if i don't ask then i will be disappointed Mm. you know like if i i i I won't get a negative response if i don't even ask a response (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's that fear but you have to obviously get over that because you know what if you ask and they give you double what you were asking for mm-hmm. yeah and that's and that's really when you start i think doing that more often and change your mindset about your life if you're you know asking more about those things and being more open openly communicative i think a lot of people will find that the positive responses really outweigh a lot of the negative fears that would come back so maybe one time you ask your boss if you can take the, the week-long vacation and they only give you four days. But, um, you know, later on, if you're asking for that raise and you actually get more than you wanted and then you go to your partner, your spouse, and you ask uh, to spend more time or go on more dates and you find that they've been thinking the same thing, but they've been afraid to ask the same question. I think more people find that the positive response probably outweighs a lot of the negative that they create in their mind that they think is going to happen. Yeah. Cause that's just like basically a story you tell yourself and we're just so like wired to assume the worst out of everything. So we're like, well, I can't do that. I'm not going to ask that. And I know personally, um, I get frustrated with a lot of people in my life cause I feel like they're not listening to me or they don't understand me. But I mean, just recently I was like, wait a second, am I communicating with them what I need and the answer is simply no <laughs> like not even a little bit because I'm scared to or or yeah I don't want to seem too needy or I don't want to know what their response is going to be because of course I'm going to assume it's bad I mean that's just me I'm a pessimist <laughs> but if, if but if you start to accept the fact that whatever that worst case scenario is because most of the time I think our own minds will create that worst case scenario because we'll run through a thousand different options and probably pick the worst one that our emotions are going to tie to. Yeah. And if you start to say, you know, what is that worst case scenario? And am I okay with accepting that? Any alternative after you ask that is going to be better than the worst case. So therefore it's more positive than the worst case. Um, Damn. That was deep. (laughs) I mean, it's like when I, when I first started at Connected Office and, and I was selling, going door to door selling copiers, I got that job as a junior in high school, or junior in college, um, driving door to door to businesses. And, and really what stuck with me after that whole experience of just going and knocking on a hundred doors and walking into businesses and trying to sell them copiers, which no one frankly, really wants to talk about when they're in the middle of their work day is once you start to change your mindset to say the worst thing that they're going to tell you is no, maybe no and F off. Uh, (laughs) Once that's the worst, you know, I'm not going to walk in the door and someone's going to kill me or I'm not going to walk in the door and someone's going to really sue me. They might threaten that, but really the worst case is no. The more probable case is no, thank you. Um, you know, it starts to make it a little bit easier to do. It starts to make that cold call or if, you know, you're picking up the phone or asking of something from someone, it makes it a lot easier once you realize that, okay, I've done this enough times and I really 
I'm comfortable with the most likely outcome, but I want the better outcome from that. Yeah. Which is, you know, in that scenario, I want them to meet with me. I want to have a meeting about selling them some copiers or, you know, asking someone out on a date or something like that. That's what's the worst case scenario. But if I'm comfortable with that, then I'm going out for the best case, no matter what. How do you like get comfortable with that? Cause I feel like that's a hard thing to do. I think a lot of it is, I mean, in sales, what they tell you and, and what I've found is it's the amount of repetitions that you do in that. Um, you know, even if I went to say, go pick up the phone today, the first five calls that I'd make to someone, I'd be stuttering over my words and wouldn't be as effective as I would be at one in the afternoon after I've had the same conversation with 50 different people. Mm. But, you know, really, I think once you start to look at your life of doing those same repetitions, you know, we've all been in a situation with uh, a boss, a teacher, uh, you know, significant other that you want to ask them something. You start to realize that we all have that same amount of experience in doing something or some sort of experience that can relate to that. You know, it takes that, fear a little bit away like you've been in that situation before you can start to be a little bit more comfortable in doing that because mm. the first time you, they someone tells you hey get in the car and go knock on 100 random businesses and just go sell them something it's scary like you know you don't know what you're walking into you, do, you don't know if a business is gonna take down your name and you're gonna get a letter from their lawyer and they're gonna sue you it turns out that doesn't happen um you know it's it's more about relating I think what your prior experiences are and then realizing that whatever you're getting yourself into if you can kind of ground yourself in being a little bit present and understanding that you've been in similar situations takes away some of that anxiety and it takes away a lot of that fear of going into those situations that you've prepared yourself mm. I also think um yeah like repetition helps and I think that being um like comfortable with who you are and what you have to offer is also very helpful. But I mean, too often, I don't think people are comfortable with who they are or they have false perceptions on who they are because of the stories they tell themselves in their head or the, the stories that other people tell them and they take that as truth. So you can live your whole life thinking you're not your authentic self really like really terrible things so that makes it worse and and you're not comfortable in situations like that or any situation especially relationships but even like jobs too actually no especially jobs <laughs> like that's not your authentic self and and also you know by believing certain certain lies that that other people make you believe about yourself that you're, you're kind of limiting yourself to certain, um, certain positions or certain ways you can progress, I guess, in life, you know? Yeah. I think uh, a helpful aspect to that that I found in just listening to podcasts and reading about how other people kind of get to where they want to be, because you're not going to get to where you want to be by someone else telling you to go there. You kind of have to do it yourself is if you start doing those goal settings and making sure that 
what you're doing today is going to get you where you need to go, you take yourself out of how someone might view you today. You can almost create a different version of yourself where you get rid of all those ideas that someone says, well, you're this, you work at this company, you do this sort of thing. And that's kind of where you're going to stay. And if you keep doing this, you're going to progress to here. Well, if you don't like that image of yourself in five, 10 years, then one, it'll start to help you understand that if I keep doing this and I don't like that image in five to 10 years, I probably shouldn't keep going on that path. Let's do some self-reflection today on how to make some smaller steps to change that. Yeah. I also think there's something to be said about Cause I think a lot of people attach who they are, like their authentic self to their job or their career, which, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like they're very separate things and it goes up to you. Tell me about yourself. I typically, the first thing you say is this is where I work. Like mm-hmm. that's who you are. Mm-hmm. An, an idea that is kind of rooted in that. Uh, and it's a sort of a, psychology theory is this idea of uh, scorekeeping. So a lot of the times when people will say, where do you work? Um, what skills do you have? What college did you go to? Uh, what neighborhood do you live in? Who do you live with type of thing? It's an idea that we're always comparing each other to everyone else. So by me coming up to you and saying, where do you work? Uh, you know, what neighborhood do you live in? It's starting off the conversation of really I'm setting myself up next to you. Well, if I walked in a room with uh, Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and I said, where do you guys work and what neighborhoods do you live in? I all of a sudden put myself in a very inferior position because uh, they're well-established clearly. But, you know, if I more came into that conversation about, let me tell you about who, you know, who I am, where, where I'm from, not necessarily what job I'm in, but here's what I like to do. Let's talk about, um, you know, Bill Gates and his philanthropic efforts and, and things like that, not the the scorekeeping elements of how we all compare each other to ourselves because then you start getting into a downward spiral of they make more money than me, they have a better job than I do, they live in a better house, they have a better relationship, and it's you're always focusing on other people, not necessarily yourself. It takes you out of that self-reflection mindset. You're also focusing on like material possessions that that makes them like a better house, a better relationship, better job, better car, whatever. That makes them better than me. As if more materials make you a better person. That's why I hate attaching like career and all those stuff to like who you are, because that's not you. Career is a, is a big part of, you know, what you, who you are, then it is relevant. Uh, Because if your career like for myself, I want to get more into real estate and, and build better homes and, and make nicer apartments for communities and people to live in. You know, that is an identity that I have started creating for myself that I want to pursue. But the conversation isn't about, you know, how much money do you make doing that? It's more, why are you doing that? There's, there's the why behind it, not, uh, not necessarily what and, and who you're working with. Yeah, it's like the the same thing with doctors. Like you could say, oh, I'm a doctor and I make this much money. Or you could say, I like to help people and I aim to cure people, whatever. So it's just kind of like 
sometimes obviously your career will not define you and I mean it shouldn't define you but I think it it does offer an insight as to what kind of person you are it says like what you do but it's not who you are yeah like I like how you said that like instead of saying I'm a doctor like that's just what you do or you could say I like to help people or I really like science or like you know it's, but it's the why that you got into it. Mm. Uh, it's, I don't know if either of you looked into Simon Sinek, but he's kind of the, the psychological, uh, not psychological. Um, I guess you could call him a professional coach um, or even just a personal coach. You know, his, his whole idea is being the best version of yourself and it applies to businesses, but it also applies to individuals one of his main theories is starting with why. So instead of companies saying, we make the best iPhones because people like to buy our iPhones because we're really good at making, you know, a nice product that people enjoy using. It's starting with the why aspect of inside out of Apple cultivates the best user experience for their people because they enjoy working on it. They just so happen to make iPhones that's really like the inside out mentality. You can apply it to people of, you know, when you start with why you do something, it's more about who you are as a person rather than what you do, rather mm-hmm. than starting with that like outside sphere and working in of what's on the outside. It's why you do something is really why you get up every day and go do that thing and you know, why you get up and go do your job. If you get up every morning and hate your job, I'd suggest you probably look for a different job. <laughs> <laughs> I would suggest but if you find that, you know, you wake up every morning, you, you like your job, maybe you don't like your job, but you like the fact that if you're a doctor and you help people, uh, you like that aspect of your job, but maybe you hate blood. Well, the why is still there. You like helping people, but so you might get into uh, more nonprofits. You might get into more organizational things. You might still work in a similar field, but you just take yourself out of that one thing that you don't necessarily like. Uh, and, I, and I think if a lot of people start living by that mentality, they start finding they're getting more fulfillment out of what they enjoy doing because they started with that why mentality. Yeah, and it broadens their their options because I think too often people feel stuck to like one job, like this is my perfect occupation. But yeah, if you focus on the why, you'll realize like I have a lot to offer and I'd be good at in a variety of positions or in a variety of career paths and you're not so focused on like one road and you can't mess up, you know? Cause I feel like, like starting from high school, maybe even earlier, but I feel like it's big in high school. They kind of, they get you anxious on like, you got to find one path. Like what is your future going to be? And nobody even talks about like the why or who you are, which could really broaden your horizons and you could have multiple things that will make you happy and and living your best life in your in your truth essentially yeah i mean you you said it right there starting with what are you going to do you know your counselor tells you what career path are you going to take what college are you going to go to and what are you going to do when you get out you know what is that degree going to do for you um when I was looking at colleges, the, the what, because my two older 
siblings. They both went to private Catholic schools, Emma's as well. Um, and you know, so that's, so that's what I looked at because I smaller, close knit schools. Um, and then after being at the school I was at for one semester, I was about a month in and I said, this is what I like. I chose the what based on my preconceived idea that someone else said, Hey, this is what you should be looking at because, you know, people similar to you have found success in doing that, but it didn't necessarily fit my mold. So, you know, a couple of weeks in, uh, parents weekend, parents came around and they said, how are you liking school? And I said, great. I'm, I'm loving it here. I made a bunch of nice friends. The classes are good. And I'm just about done with the transfer paperwork. I'm just going to need you to sign a few things. <laughs> I'm leaving, I'm leaving this college and I'm applying somewhere else. And, you know, and the conversation turned right then from why, why are you doing that? So now the conversation was, why are you doing it? And it was because I didn't see my career path progressing that I wanted to. I didn't see myself getting the fulfillment that I wanted of that school and starting to search for actually what I wanted from there, you know, starting with why am I leaving? Why am I at this school? And then saying what school fits that need, not the other way around. That's, that's funny. Cause I had the exact same experience. I went to one school that I thought was, uh, you know, I was kind of, I, I thought that was going to be good for me. And then a month in, I was like, this is, this is not it. Granted, I did go from one small Catholic school to another small Catholic school, but <laughs> one was in the middle of the woods and one was in the middle of Boston. And I knew that being in a place, it, it wasn't even the school. It was, it was being in the woods versus being in a, in a place of culture and stimulation and, I knew that that was going to be a better experience in that one month. I was like, Nope, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but, th- but that is like a, cr- a crazy concept is, is to, is to basically choose your life path when you're 17, because yes, you can change your mind in college, but a big emphasis on choosing which college you go to is what will that college do for your career? Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't go to a nursing school if you want to be a teacher and, you know, or a, or a finance major, you wouldn't go to, a, I don't know, but it's, and it's, and it's a weird amount of pressure to put on a 17 year old. Yeah. But I think you can take, smaller steps to get to start narrowing that field down so like even when I went to school I went in for economics and then kind of changed that a little bit into finance uh even in being school being in school it was still isn't one necessarily field that I want to go into I didn't go into school as one of those people that said I want to go into school to be a nurse to get my degree to go to this hospital and work here I know plenty of people that did that and they're incredibly happy for doing that. You know, they, they love where they are at in life because they had that career path set up for themselves. But I think a lot of people go through that same phase alongside some of those people. And then they start panicking when they see their roommate in college saying, I'm coming in here and I'm doing this. And they go ahead and do that. And then it's almost like sometimes people feel like they're left in the dust by saying, 
I, I don't, I don't have that same path. I don't, I haven't chosen that, you know, lifelong career that I wanted and it starts to create some anxiety for people and that they don't necessarily know. And then they start to feel like they're drifting through and they're losing that purpose of why they're actually there. Mm. Yeah. I remember, um, it was either my first or second semester, but I, um, you know, you're in, in class the first day and they say, go around, say your name, your major, what year you are, whatever. And everyone in the class had a major. And I was the only person that said undecided. And I know that probably 10 of those people in the room will change their major at some point. But in my mind, I was like, well, they clearly have their whole lives planned out. And I have no idea what I want to do in college or out of college. Mm -hmm. And that, that anxiety started to creep in and be like well you're you're shit out of luck like (laughs) yeah but I think a lot of that people get too caught up with sometimes people like I know where I want to be in Mm. 25 30 years but if you don't know where that's gonna be you know start with five years start with where do I want to be next semester what do we got to do now to make sure that I'm gonna be good to take those next classes next semester because this seems interesting, but there's a prerequisite course to that class that I want to take. Um, you know, like I know for my career, the reason that I wanted to start in a sales role for my career was because I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but I found something similar to an industry that I knew and then just said, well, okay, I know that this might not be what I want to do for the rest of my life, but I know that the skills and talking with people and understanding what they want to do might help me get somewhere else down the line. You know, it might help me find that next thing. So I don't miss that opportunity, um, you know, two, three, five years down the line that if I come across something because I've gone after smaller steps to get in a direction where I want to head, then it's more achievable when I want to take larger leaps, essentially. Yeah. A lot of people, I don't think do that. Like I think like, like what you said, Emma, everyone had their major all like set up. I think people jump into it. They, they jump into college, first of all, because it's just assumed you go to college right after high school, even if maybe you're not ready or maybe you don't need college. They just like, that's just what you do. That's part of the path for everyone. If you want some sort of success and they choose a major kind of like hectically because they feel they'll run out of time if they wait any longer. And like, I don't think high school does a good enough job at like teaching you your why or teaching you like who you are or what skills you actually want to work on in your career. So you just, they're just like, well, what, like do a, do a job quiz. What works best for you? That's your career. And that's what you're going to choose for your major because what do they say? They were like, you can't, once you get into college, you shouldn't, you, you should have a set major by your sophomore year. Otherwise you're at risk for like getting behind and stuff. So it's like a time crunch. Like you got to know what you want to do, but how, how are you supposed to know what you want to do when you don't even know you? Right. And it's kind of a fault of the system that I, I know people that were in a similar situation that they got to sophomore year of college and they said, man, I, I hate this major. I really want to go do this, that they've been reading their roommates textbooks at night and they 
found that they really like this one major, but now all of a sudden they have to redo an entire year of college because they got to take those courses. Now that kind of makes sense. I mean, you have to take the courses to fully learn the knowledge, but um, you know, I think, think guiding people through that process saying like, you're taking all these prerequisite courses and even in high school, that's why they make you take every single course. You know, I might not like English, but I have to take it because the skills that I learned in English, I'm going to have to read things in my finance class. You know, I'm going to have to do mathematics in uh, my science classes. It's how do those skills translate over? But even if you don't really recognize where all of that's coming from and you're just saying, the system's throwing it at me and I'm just taking everything day by day and not understanding that you're learning things for a reason and you can choose what you want to. I mean, no one's, although people are forcing you to go to college, um, kind of selfishly, I think on a lot of their parts, like I know there's a, a lot of younger people say their parents kind of force them to go to college. Um, you know, and I know our dad always said, at least to me, it was like, if, if you told me you didn't want to go to college and you wanted to go out and buy an excavator and start a construction company, uh, you know, he's like, I, I would have gladly helped you figure out how to get an excavator so you could start a construction company instead of wasting money on college. You know, I think a lot of people don't necessarily take that same approach that you don't necessarily have to just keep on the same path. I think more people should be able to leave co- uh, high school, you know, junior, senior year, and then immediately go into a trade school. There's no reason that some of these people can't just, or, or there's no reason that they're forced to take higher level science classes when, if they're going to be incredibly skilled tradespeople, they should just be able to go do that right away. You know, start making the money that they want to, start building the career they want to. Yeah, I think there's like this idea that you have to go to college in order to get a good job or else like you'll end up working a low paying, you know, shit job or something like that, which is just not the case. And I think that a lot of people aren't shown their options. So they get one or two years into college and say, why am I doing this? Why am I here? I don't like it here. I already know what I want to do and it has nothing to do with college. So why am I spending thousands of dollars just to get a piece of paper that I won't even need? Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I think that like, it is, it's, it's weird how, how much you do need a degree in, in the world at this point, because, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you could start at the bottom of a company and become the manager within, you know, 10 years or something like that, you know, but now you could work there for 10 years and be like, Hey, boss, I think I deserve a promotion. And they go, that's great. I think you do too, but where's the degree? I just Mm -hmm. need a degree. And you're like, well, I know this company inside and out. I've been here for 10 years. I know, I know everything. And they go, yeah, that's cool, but we kind of need the degree. (laughs) So it is like a messed up. That forces people in the college, even if they know like, oh, maybe I'm not ready or maybe I don't have a clear plan. That that fear that you just said, that's what forces people to go to college or do something that they really, that doesn't align with who they are. And I think like, obviously in certain situations, you 
you know, I would, I would like my doctor to have a degree, <laughs> but, yeah. but like, <laughs> but, but again, I, like I am going through the process right now where I'm at trying to get a loan on an apartment building. I, I could have gone and done that, or someone could have given me a similar amount of money to go get a four-year degree that does not guarantee me a job. Mm-hmm. But I'm almost going through a longer application process and a more strenuous one. And if I didn't have, you know, the backing and and the given history, I wouldn't be approved. But, you know, I can I can go in and apply for college and go get a degree that means nothing to me. But because I basically want to go to camp for four years uh, and hang out with my friends and can take out a massive amount of debt that way, you know, you really look at systemic flaw there that why are we judging one based on another where if I can get a loan to start a business, even, you know, if I have a great idea, here's my clear plan. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do and why I'm going to do it. But I won't get a loan because, oh, you're 18. You can't, you can't do that. Right. But I'm 18 and I can go take out a, a note on a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars of college that doesn't guarantee back it's 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 quite a different thing to think about yeah yeah that's whack (laughs) yeah it just shows the the misplaced importance of college i think like like people will judge you whether or not you went to college and it's like well i could have gotten d's all the way through college and still C's get degrees, but yeah. And unfortunately too, like I've I've heard from people farther in their careers and they say, you know, if you hold a job for the first couple of years out of college, by the time you go get your next job, no one looks at your college degrees. No one asks for your transcript. No one asks what GPA did you get? Um, I even had friends that were in engineering school that it was commonplace that they just said, no, we don't put our GPAs on our resumes. Um, because they just granted their their GPAs were lower because their classes were much harder. Mm-hmm. And then you had you know, business school students that are walking around taking easier classes, arguably, uh, getting a higher GPA. But again, it's just based on how you keep it score with other people. You know, it's not what skills do you really have to actually get you a job or, or get you into an opportunity that you actually like. Yeah, you can like go to college and still not have like a clear path. Like I think people assume that once you're in college, like that's your path. But and again, you can have people that are just going for the experience and are breezing through getting D's and somehow get a degree of some sorts. And yet we 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 place more judgment on those people who I don't know are living life more spontaneously or seem directionless when when they're really just trying to figure out like what they want to do, but there's a lot of judgment on those kind of people, which is funny to me because it seems like they're creating a clearer path than somebody who was like, well, I got to go to college because my dad said so, or I want to party. I hear that all the time. <laughs> I, I, and I've seen a tremendous amount of success from the people that I knew from school that went there and they got a, a general English degree or even people that got PE degrees, you know, they got physical education degrees and now they're 
incredibly successful by, you know, by financial measures, or they're very happy where they're at in their career. And, you know, you look at that scenario and you say, what you did in college didn't apply at all to what you're actually doing now. But, you know, in their eyes, they might take that as, well, no, I, I took this degree and here are the skills that I learned in physical education, uh, you know, teaching a class of people that translated into managerial skills that they were able to apply in a new situation, a new job um, that they that really furthered their career into what they wanted. But they had no idea what they wanted to do when they were in college. They just wanted to you know, live their life and get that part of their life and go through that part of their life um, with what they liked at that time and what they really wanted to live like at that time. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think like like with the whole keeping score thing, like y- you look at someone and say, oh, they went to Harvard, but now like maybe they're bankrupt, whereas I went to a small maybe community college and I started my own business and I'm doing 10 times better than they they did even though they went to a higher university or or you didn't even, even still that's that's rooted in you're still keeping score right so even though you're still sure. saying like they you know they went to this college and they were you know above me on the score chart there but then they went bankrupt so that's you know a plus one and a minus one and I went to an okay college and then started this great company your mindset is still keeping score right the idea there is you know almost congratulate yourself you started the company it doesn't matter what that person did if that person never worked for you and you never met them and maybe you met them at one dinner party and they said they went to harvard great congrats they <laughs> they went to harvard you you know you may have gone to some other school but uh, really what matters is look at yourself you you started a multinational company you 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 did all these great things you started doing philanthropic efforts um, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what score you're against with that person because end of the day, I, I could probably go out and find someone that started a bigger company, manages sure. more people. Grass is uh, always greener. Has more, just has more money. You can always find someone to put yourself against. Um, and if you keep living like that, then all of a sudden you find yourself fighting an uphill battle and being at the bottom of every barrel, basically. Whereas on the other side, it's you, you can kind of remove yourself from that and say, let's address what the mentality is of, sure, maybe I'm the youngest, maybe I don't have as much money, maybe I um, don't have access to as much resources, but it's not what has, or what has more money than me, but it's like, how, how can I get there? How can I find the money that I need to go do this thing? Or how can I get that job I want? Instead of, you know, what and who? And then that's just, outwardly projecting onto someone else. Mm. Yeah, I honestly wish there wasn't so much focus on like, you know, like where you went to school because that clearly doesn't matter. Right, yeah, yeah. There's also, I don't think there should be so much focus on what you do. And, you know, I really, I should practice what I preach because I mean, I, I went into college thinking I wanted to be like a doctor of some sort because I thought, that was what the world needed. I thought that was the perceived need, the perceived good. But I, I think 
a lot of people are stuck in that mindset. Like what is good? What does the world need? The, the world needs you to live your life and do what you want to do, do what makes you feel alive. That's what the world needs. Not, I mean, doctors are obviously good. They do good. Going back to that little example from the book, political activists, they do good. But also what makes you alive is good. And I think people lose sight of that. Yeah, and really, yeah, if you're being jobs. <laughs> genuine with people uh, and they, they will attract themselves to that, you know, they'll find that they can be a bit more comfortable with who they want to be and ultimately be happier about that. Even if there might be negative things about their lives that they don't like, or, you know, a career that they don't like, but if they can outwardly express that and be less caged about their emotions and how they feel about that, then the overall mood and, and feelings get brought up to a higher level. You know, the interactions that you have with other people are, I think, essentially more positive than always thinking about, you know, the negative and what does other people need and what do they think? Yeah. Also, what do you need? <laughs> also, what makes like, in what position are you going to be doing what you're most passionate about? Cause when you're actually doing something that you're passionate about, you know, if you even are worried about what other people need, they need that. They need people who are actually passionate about what they're doing. Because I feel like people just, you know, go through the motions day to day and they're stuck in a job they don't like. Yeah. And I think there is something to be said. Like, I think we can now talk about this. Um, it's like quitting your job. And there's usually negative stigma per se about that like you shouldn't quit your job and money is money stop whining yeah I, th- I think it's I think it's weird that like um I, I hear a lot of you know your generation is, <laughs> keeps moving from job to job whatever yeah why why would I stay in a job for 20 years that I absolutely hate why not move from job to job until I find a job that I like. That's not to say that you can just quit your job whenever you want, because obviously there are extenuating circumstances that people can't just quit their jobs. Also, you should probably stay in a job for more than a couple months at a time. But yeah, you know, if, if you're, if you really take a look at yourself and say, is this going to take me anywhere? in the next five years, or am I just going to get increasingly more miserable as the years go on? Am I going to stay here? And why should I stay here? Yeah. I mean, if your skills, uh, and your atrophy and your, your, um, your happiness and what you actually want to get out of it is just going to be an atrophy, then why, why would you stay there? Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a no brainer when you think of it that way. But I think a lot of people, get the tunnel vision of going through their job every day and just waking up and saying, this is part of the routine. And, you know, maybe next month, maybe next summer, maybe when, um, you know, other factors are in play. I mean, I think the reason that, you know, our generation has started to move jobs and careers a lot more is because we're getting married later. We're not as tied to a spouse and their career. We're having kids later. We're not uh, worrying as much about what, elementary school they're going to and making sure that they have friends and will sacrifice uh, our job for them and wait till they're out of middle school and high school. I mean, I, I've, 
I've talked to plenty of adults that they wait till uh, their kids are out of school to move homes or they say, well, maybe I'll make a career change, but not until my kids are out of college. Uh, and while that's a good thing, and that's definitely a fact that needs to be considered, I think a lot of people, especially later on in their life, make those sacrifices without at, at the expense of their own happiness, just because they say, I have to do this for you know my kids. And then all of a sudden they wake up 20 years later and they go, well, great, my, my kid just graduated college. Uh, I'm 55 years old and now I can make a career change. Well, now their mindset has completely shifted to, I got to start planning for retirement. So <laughs> people almost wake up. And that's why you hear, I think, so many adults now saying you, you can't change jobs. You got you to find something that's stable and, you know, build that uh, reputation for yourself so you can have a family, have kids, check all the boxes. And it's like, well, if that's not part of my two-year goal, then why am I looking at that? You know, that's not part of my five-year goal of I want to, maybe you want to travel a bunch. I don't necessarily have to be thinking about my long-term career of how much, uh, how stable my job is when I'm 49 years old and my kid is entering high school when I'm 23 years old and I'm trying to plan my vacation for a week to go skiing with some friends. You know, it might be in the back of your mind, but if you start thinking about that far down the road, I think people get a little bit too stressed out and stop thinking about taking care of themselves today and more so always thinking about what am I going to do that's going to set myself up for when I'm 60 and I want to retire. And then all of a sudden people wake up and they go, I'm 60, it's time to retire. And I never took that vacation I wanted. To, to keep this idea of like stability, we stress too much about the future and creating a clear path for our future that we're so we're not attuned at all to the present moment. And then we're not happy and we're not living our life because we're not living in the present. And that's arguably what your life is, the present moment. Again, easier said than done because I do not live in the present. But <laughs> um, yeah, definitely stability. When people stress this idea of stability, it bothers me because... I mean, who's to say that what I'm doing, like being directionless and all and spontaneous and trying to figure out, you know, like where I fit best, who's, who's to say that's not stable or who's to, who's to say that won't lead to stability. Yeah. I think stability though, for a lot of people is rooted uh, in the idea of your know, money because that yeah. warrants people to make sure that they have a roof over their head and food to eat and that if stable for them is that they can have all those bases covered. Um, most of that comes from, you know, having a job. If you have a stable job, most people relate that to, they have a steady amount of money coming in that they know that they can pay their rent or pay their mortgage and provide for their basic, you know, necessary living of eating and going out and seeing friends. Um, but really people, I think a lot of times just strive for the idea of if they only had a little bit more money, if they were rich, then they could live a little bit more comfortably. They'd be more stable. They wouldn't have to worry about the credit card bill next month because they wouldn't have to go work 60 hours a week at two different jobs. But I think people get caught up in that idea of being rich and what that brings them rather than the idea of wealth. I, I, I saw this quote a while back and I have to try to track it down where I found it, but basically it was, uh, 
wealth is the ability to fully experience life. And it kind of changed my idea on rich versus wealthy. You talk a lot of people about Elon Musk and he's hyper, hyper wealthy, but really what he's created is the ability for himself to experience his life, how he wants to. He's uh, creating electric vehicles. He's sending rockets into outer space. He wants to go to Mars. He's doing, um, he's starting like a brain AI startup uh, to kind of augment people's mental abilities. He's doing solar farms. Like the, the idea of wealthy is to just be able to take those opportunities that you want to experience in your life and go do them. So for a lot of people, that might just be time. Like you, you want to be wealthy. You see a lot of these wealthy people that they can go out and golf on the weekends and go on their boats. Well, for them, that, that wealth might just be, they want to spend time with their family. Everyone's idea of wealth can be a little bit different because personal wealth, if I only need $50,000 a year to live, and as long as that's coming in, I can hang out with family and uh, go do the activities that I want to do and I can live comfortably without a lot of stress. Well, then in my eyes, then I'd be wealthy. Um, you know, you can really actually start to live at that point. You can really start to experience life at that point. It's beautiful. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Honestly, I think that's, that's a good place to end. That was, that was a beautiful ending on living your best life, your wealthiest life, I should say. <laughs> it's, it's, per, it's the idea of, you know, personal wealth and that no one can really mm -hmm. tell you how much wealth you have because only you can really determine it. You know, your wealth might also just come from the equity that you get from travel, like how, how, how that pays your life, how you're paying yourself by going out to dinner. You're paying yourself by hanging out with friends. You know, you're paying yourself in that time that otherwise you might be paying a company to go wash dishes. You know, you're, you're getting paid for your time or you're, you're, someone is paying you for your, you know, your own time. Um, that the, the difference in that is you're really taking control of what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so instead of reaching for, for richness in, in other people and other things, turn to wealth inwards. I like that. <laughs> it's a nice, a nice closure. Mm. Any final thoughts on this topic? I'll still, I'll still be wealthy enough, Emma, for, uh, so that, you know, you can also have a house. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, My, I, still to, I still have to get Emma a house too. Yeah. That's, that's his, that's, that's, part of the, that's part of the idea. It's part of the idea is that Johnny will be so successful in life that he'll have enough money to buy me a house. And that's what I'm banking on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Might have to rent for a few more years. I'll get, I'll get <laughs> but we'll get there. I'll pay you with my time and, 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 uh, experience and, uh, sisterly love. Yeah. It's, it's your own in wealth. exchange. It's what, it's yeah. what you can pay. Right. It's, it's your own wealth. I love that. 
the banks may not accept it, but <laughs> hearts well. Banks won't accept anything on Monday. My game's up. That's crazy. Down with Wall Street. Take them down. Eat the rich. <laughs> down with Wall Street, eat the rich. Was <laughs> that your final thought, Em? That's my final thought. Thank you for that. <laughs> it was very inspiring. All right. Thank you, Johnny. Yeah. Thank you for fun. coming Thanks. on. All right. Tune in next week. Bye. Bye.